My favorite coaches back with me. I apologize for last week. I've been sick. I've got bronchitis. We did not have a chance to get into so many good games last week, but we're back this week. Scott Ligo, Dory Bennett. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of some of the fun stuff, Scott, uh, how are you? And um, you know, how was your uh, viewing pleasure of the college games this weekend? It was awesome, as usual. Uh, nice to have a little weekend off from the Penn State crew. Get to watch, uh, mm-hmm. focus in on some of the game, games, and keep my focus there. But uh, more importantly, I hope you get better, my friend. You need, you need to come up with a Puerto Rican soup remedy for that bronchitis. Yes. So grandma, grandma or mom's cooking needs to come in for you to so get you better. Oh, Dory? yeah. Hey, guys. Woo. It's a Sunday morning after an eventful Saturday for sure. Well, speaking of an eventful Saturday, um, there were a lot of games on and really, you know, to uh, touch upon the games that really kind of, uh, you know, touch, uh, you know, really close to us at home. It was, let's start with the University of Washington taking on UCLA. It was a big matchup. It was that Pac-12 after dark kind of theme. They were supposedly, and I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, quote unquote, honoring their 90s team. And um, Dory, um, yeah. how, how did they do honoring that 90s team? Well, the uniforms looked great. But there wasn't anybody on the field, coaches, that um, had anything to do with putting a championship team on the field. From warm-ups to the beginning of the game when we ran on the field to the confusion and chaos, uh, it looked like lack of communication, I don't know what they did for two weeks for game planning, but let's just say I'm pretty sure no one watched film on UCLA. Scott, or really if did. you did, and that's what you came up with, then you don't know how to watch film. Scott, what was your just initial thought, um, you know, watching that game? What stood out for you watching that game? Uh, probably two things that really were emphasis for me. One was the time they got down to the goal line, two yard line and end up with a field goal early in the game. Mm-hmm. That's got to, that's got to be seven. And the one that Dory was so passionate about when they marched 94 yards and scored a touchdown UCLA, um, you know, two poignant points, one with offense and one on the defense. I mean, you got to score when you're down there. Uh, we all know Chip Kelly's going to be pushing the, 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 the offense and, uh, you got to do a good job of stopping the run and stopping the plays. And Charbonnet was, you know, at his day, they don't have to pass because they can just run the ball down our throats. So very frustrating. There was an article in the athletic. I am uh, I'm just taking a quote out of it from Jen Cohen. Uh, she said, I think our offense should be better. I think it needs to keep improving. And I think we've all acknowledged that it needs more consistency. It needs more rhythm. I think there's lots of talented kids on that side of the ball, and I expect that it is going to improve and it is going to get better. And that is coming off of a bye week where she had made these statements. Uh, 
Did you see any improvement on the offensive side of the ball door? Um, actually, the first drive made it seem like there was. And then you get down inside the five to the two-yard line. And the UCLA defense, they had eight in the box the whole time. Why? Because they know the Husky passing game <laughs> is the weakest part of their offense. So they have eight men in the box, two plays in a row. And what does what 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 is called? A run up the middle. Seriously, no motion, no deception. We just think we're, we, we could just run this ball in. Stop it. Stop it. Like, just don't. The, U, the UW rushing attempts and UCLA rushing attempts were for the entire game were the exact same. UCLA had twice as many yards, total rushing yards, than Washington. Twice. They doubled us up. It, it was actually more. Game. It, it was actually more than just doubling up. Washington had 83 rushing yards, and watch and uh, UCLA had 237. Scott, um, what were the years? I think that, you, that was, but running. Okay, so running backs. If you look at just the running backs. So anyway, go ahead, Scott. When when you were with uh, the Huskies, when you were on the coaching staff, what what were those years? Uh, I was 93 through 95. Uh, my question to you is, during those years, I know it's a forgotten position. Did you guys ever have a fullback? I don't know if these young people know what that position is, but did you guys have a fullback when you guys ran your offense? Yes, we did. We had a young man named Richard Thomas who was our fullback, who was the state's leading rusher. And, uh, and the guy behind him was a guy named Napoleon Kaufman. So we did a, we had pretty good one, two punch when we had to run, run the ball. So yes, we had the, uh, we had some uh, good fullbacks guys that, you know, did the job and, uh, you know, both of those players got to play in the whammy in Miami. So we did okay with our guys. Yeah. It, the fullback. It, 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 am, I, am I just old thinking that what is wrong with bringing back the fullback, especially if, Going to Dory's uh, uh, point, if you're going to line up and try to slam the ball in, that we can't get into a, a formation where we have a fullback to lead the way for those type of scenarios. Is this just me just, you know, that the, the time just kind of passed by and, and that position no longer is going to become not, is no longer existent? Well, the, the, well, the position kind of non existent, but there's ways of, of of answering that question. If you saw Tampa Bay play two weeks ago with, uh, they used Vita Vea, the ex Husky as their fullback. And when you saw the play, he took the linebacker and pretty much put him back back three yards. I mean, it's a 290 pound. They got all those big defensive linemen that Washington, I mean, just, just being innovative and kind of going back to what Dory was talking about to have two weeks repair and to kind of go back through your self scout, see what your tendencies are, see what you've done good, see what you've done bad. And, you know, to run it up the gut, why don't you run it off the edge, do some power, something like that. Uh, but boy, it was frustrating to watch. Or if you have a, and, and, and I agree with, I understand what you guys are saying, but here's the deal. We don't have to do that. How about this? How about you say you have an athletic quarterback? How about anything with motion down there? Pull the tight end in motion, do some play action pass down there, anything. And we had plays that would have set that up. 
if they if the offensive coordinator had a strategy to his play calling it's all over the board no play sets up the next play no play sets up the next play you have a you say you have an athletic quarterback then use it we've got two tight ends get a double tight in there or how about this pull a guard or a tackle and do something off tackle that creates motion and separation on the defense. It is not that hard to do, and the players will do it. This is 100% on the coaches, 100% on the coaches, offense and defense. They're not putting our players in the best position to win. I feel like I'm watching Mike Leach at WSU again. As, as we know, the buck stops with the head coach. Okay. And whether he's going to be a head coach that's going to allow his coaches to coach and he's going to stay out of it, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if anybody loses their job and it's the head coach that loses his job, you know, it's going to, it's going to fall on you. Um, listen, I, I don't want to sound cruel, but this is just the reality of it because it's the reality of the position, right? And I, and I understand that the kid is a freshman, but Dylan Moore is saying it from what I see. Okay. Trust me. And, and, he, warm up. and, and he is, he is making too many mistakes for my taste. This is my opinion. Another two interceptions. He's inconsistent. He underthrows the ball. He's leading the pack 12 in turnovers. Okay. If you're not going to make a change and it's not to say that Dylan may not be the quarterback in the future that's going to be best for this team. But right now he is not playing up to a quarterback for the, as a power five team. And I, and I just, I I think I've seen enough. He's talented. He's got arm strength, but he is not, but he is not, well, you know, everybody says he's got arm strength, but he is not applying it and he is not performing. And personally, I've seen enough for now of Dylan Morris. Not to say that he can't be that quarterback going forward, but they need to make change at the quarterback position because he is constantly making the same mistakes. Only if they make a change at who is coaching the quarterbacks will there be a change in the play of the quarterback period done end of story he he may not be able to do what they're asking what they think he can do but he's also not being coached if you watch the (coughs) warm-up he's he has the worst release and form of any of the quarterbacks during warm-up not one time did they attempt in warm-up a deep pass. Not one time. Not once. You guys, I was there so early that they were given 50% off on concessions watching the warm-up. Dory showed up on Thursday. <laughs> Look, here's the deal. You guys, you know I'm passionate about this team. You know I love this team. I want us to win. 
but there is not a winning formula right now. And you can't put it on the players. I could the definitely put it on the players. Not getting the players. I could definitely put play. it on the players because whether he's being coached up or not, you can make a throw. Okay. You can. I agree. So that's what I need the quarterback to do. I don't care about the quarterback <laughs> coach coaching them this or coaching them that. When the guy's going on a fly route, a go right, a post, throw the damn ball. Period. I got no issues with others, what you're saying, Will. But, I'm, but I'm saying they're saying, not getting it prepared. I'm just saying, though, the position sometimes you've got to step up. You a player. Player got to play. So here's the deal. He is. That's why they need to make. They need but to he's make not a change. good player. He's not good think. enough. He's not good enough. I agree. Enough. So change I him. agree. Change him. I agree. Scott. I absolutely agree. But here's the deal. If they're not coaching Dylan Morris up, who is their choice at quarterback because they say he's winning the day on, in practice, then what makes us think that any of the quarterbacks are being coached the way they need to be coached in order to win? I don't the know. Let me see on it. The quarterback with the quarterbacks is better. Give Sam Heward a shot. Give anybody a else shot. a shot. I, I need I need to see a quarterback that's going to play in rhythm, that's going to make some throws and 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 try and, and try to do something besides what what we've been watching for, what, six weeks. Scott, jump in here. Well, actually, we both know that I'm a foodie. So for 50 percent, uh, Dory, what'd you get? That's what I want. I mean, come on now. I mean, we're 50% off. I mean, yeah, well, okay. So, so for 50% off, some of the concession stands didn't know that that's what the, that that's what was happening. And I had a coupon. So, <laughs> you know, unfortunately the line got big behind me because the people behind the concession stands didn't know everything that was going on for the fan experience. So, yes. So there were a couple of Corona extras, um, there, 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 there were some, there was a, a Husky sushi and I, I could have kept eating, but kind of, come on guys, I can't eat my way through all the concessions. I kind of needed a partner in crime. And uh, for some reason it was hard to get someone to go to the game. So it, it was good, but you got, so, so, and the fans, there were a lot of fans in the stadium early for sure. Right. But not in their seats early, not in their seats early. So there's a lot, you guys, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's so much push for the fan experience way more. There's a lot of emphasis on fan experience, lots of promos, scan the QR code, do this, do that. And my deal is this, man, you're trying to do too much. You're trying to make it a pro football experience instead of a big time college experience. Okay. Too much stuff going on that pulls people away from the game and away from being in the stands and in their seats prior to game time. So that's, that's a whole nother side of what they're trying to do. It's too much. Well, to answer answer your question, Will, I, my one question I do have from the coaching side of it on the QB is issue. What's what's happened to O'Brien, who was the backup? He got injured, and then I've never heard a word about the kid. I, I mean, is he in the program anymore? Is he? I mean, does he does he have a disease? I mean, what? I mean, 
what's the deal? Why couldn't he be the guy? And I'm not, this is not a knock on Sam. I'm not saying he shouldn't be good going in. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm asking the question. They kind of said it was O'Brien and, and, and Dylan were kind of fighting each other to, to be the number one guy. They were. So I, I wonder what happened to O'Brien and where, you know, he's an experienced guy, a little bigger, you know, and again, I just, I find it interesting from a coaching perspective, what's happened to the kid. And I, I mean, it's not even mentioned. And so he has the better arm for sure. And it was my understanding. Yeah. So I don't know if they have just decided we're going to go with Dylan because we have to, we're trying to create consistency with who's at the quarterback position. But at this point, at this point, you have a road game this Friday against Arizona. Do something different. Do something different. Switch up your quarterback. Give him a shot this week. What do you have to lose at this point? What, what do they have to lose at this point? Right? So that's, I don't know. Scott. And the defense. Woo. That's exactly where I was going with this. You know, um, obviously, when you know, when, when you look at scores and you look at turnovers and things like that, you know, they kind of stand out. But the reality is your head coach is a defensive coach. And there is no defense. And um, I, I texted you guys yesterday. Dory's at the game. I said, you know, you, you're getting run all run all over, and your safeties look like they're 20 yards out. I I, I just mm-hmm. I'm looking at the formation. I'm I'm saying, Vita Vey, just to bring it up, just because Scott brought it up. Vita Vey ain't, ain't on the line. You know, they're getting hammered and run on and run on and run on. And the safeties, they're 20 yards out. What is going on with this defense? This is supposed to be Jimmy Lake's bread and butter. This is something that he was supposed to, you know, do and, and be in charge of. And this is kind of how he got himself in a position to be where he is now. The defense has been really, really, really bad. What is going on? What are you seeing on the defense side of the ball week in and week out? with this team? Well, uh, for me personally, it's, it's, um, you know, going to exactly what you're saying about Vita Vea gains, those kids are gone. So at this point, you've got to create some things. Um, you know, I watched a really good defensive front in Georgia and they mm-hmm. move and they come and they do that, what they're doing. So I think the same thing, why isn't Washington doing the, create the, the scenarios where you what three man, four man rush, you don't know where it's coming from. And they bring ZTF in and he does a great job and he makes a good play, but he's not in condition to play a whole game. And I think they thought they were going to get this one great play from him. He does it. And then, you know, like they're going to, that can't be your inspiration. You got to, you got to be better defensively. Uh, they just haven't played very well. I mean, all positions. Um, I mean, Asa Turner wasn't even in the depth and now all of a sudden he's in the depth and, you know, he's getting, you know, beat. And I mean, it was just, you know, the linebackers aren't playing as well as they can. I mean, it's just, it's everybody. Well, when, when, when you had two weeks to prepare and the defense you've been running hasn't been working against a team, against teams where the rushing, that's not even the best part of their game. And now you have UCLA coming in with the number one rushing quarterback in the Pac-12 and you still have a 3-4 defense. The linebackers, guys, 
guys were playing so far off the line of scrimmage that they're the ones making the tackles 10 yards down the road, 10 yards down the field. The linebackers are the ones making the, making the tackles. We blitzed maybe three times, three. That was it. And the safety's playing so far back. The defensive line is a three, four. We got a three, four. And, and no one, no one's getting through. Twice they put pressure on the quarterback, twice. And when you have a rushing quarterback, you have to figure out a way to contain. So get people up on the line of scrimmage so that you don't have to be chasing the dude down and get your corners contained. Spread it out a little bit. Four down linemen, get your safeties up once in a while. Put some pressure on them. Put some pressure on them. So it was, it, it was hard to watch. Those two drives, 96 yards, the really great punt. I will tell you, the player of the game for the Huskies was our punter. Player of the game was our punter. Every time he put UCLA in their own territory deep, every time. And what did UCLA do? That's all right, dudes, we got this. We're just going to run the ball on you. We're just going to run the ball on you. So it was it, it was frustrating to watch it, especially then the last drive the Huskies had and and, and the pick. In, 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 I mean, uh, it was tough. It was tough. But I do want to say that um, our punter, dude, still should win that Campbell Award because he absolutely kept the team in the game. He kept our team in the game. All right. So um, as we wrap it up here, let's uh, let's take a quick look at what lays lies ahead. Right. So we've got Arizona at Arizona Friday night, not Saturday. They go yeah. down to Stanford. They're home to Oregon, home to Arizona State at Colorado. And then. You have Washington Africa State, and, and then and we're gonna get into and we're gonna get into that real quick. Also, what, what do you see? You know, for this team, um, do you see a, a winning path? I guess that's my question. Scott, answer first. Do you see a winning path of success for the remainder of this season, or has this season just gotten too far away from them? Unfortunately, I think the season's gotten too far away from them. And I actually kind of looking at this, I see a, basically a 50-50 split, to be honest with you. Um, I think that we uh, – and that's being that's being optimistic. Um, I can see a potential loss, you know, uh, in one, one spot. You know, I don't even like to even discuss it uh, where I could see that happening, but uh, making it a negative ending. But uh, I see three and three probably. Dory? Mm. Okay, so I see Arizona, yes. Um, Stanford on the road. I, I, I don't see the Huskies coming away with a win on that one. And I, I, I'm hoping we can beat Washington State, but not, not in the current situation. Uh, I think Arizona State and Oregon will come in here and they will have looked at enough film to know what they can do against Washington and what they can do to stop them. 
I, I do not see, I don't see as many wins as Scott does uh, here on out. I see maybe Arizona State, excuse me, Arizona, and then maybe Colorado. I, I don't know. We've not seen much from Colorado this year, but that, that would be it. If Unless there's a team that comes in here and underestimates, um, you know, the Huskies. And- Dory, I, Dory, I just can't say that 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 A cup thing. So I, I just from my own subliminal. So that's the reason I'm trying to stay positive. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah, no, fair enough. And there's a big, there's an eight game winning streak going on with that. And um, you know, if we're going to talk about WSU, there's a great article Jim Moore wrote about not even making a judgment about the coach and no backs. He, he made some really great points in this article that um, I was sent. So yeah, go ahead. Talk um, about it. Let's get right. Let, let's get right into it because uh, talking about the Huskies, we don't really see a path of success. Um, if the Huskies maybe win five games or, or four and lose the Apple cup, you know, um, it will be really interesting to have this conversation and we will uh, as the season goes along to see uh, what the ramifications are. But speaking of ramifications, yeah. um, Rolovich is going to find out uh, probably today what his future is with the Cougars as he continues to, um, you know, not get vaccinated. He filed for religious exempt, which is comical, but we won't get into all of that. And he's going to most likely go out on a three game winning streak after starting out. zero and three. So what do you think is happening up there in Pullman? I know you mentioned this article. Um, I've read some places that some of the alumni are upset over this mandate uh, that he's supposed to be uh, vaccinated. And some of them have threatened not to uh, give money going forward to a program that's already uh, quite in debt. Um, this sounds like this situation is just the pinnacle of something bigger that is happening from football, from politics, from communities. Um, Dory, I'll start with you. And then Scott, please jump in. Uh, uh, who, who knows how this is going to turn out? Yeah. Um, I, I'll just leave it there. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, a couple of points. Number one, um, when the mandate came down was when people needed to start getting serious about what their choice was and, and get the process started on their own personal choice. What I'm going to say is not a, is everybody has personal choice. Okay. But you also have a job. Every teacher out there, anybody educated, anybody in the system of education, public education, private education, if you want to keep your job, you had to get vaccinated or get a religious or health um, exemption. So the, the bottom line on this piece is there are teachers that, that have made hard choices and they won't get a paycheck. They won't get a paycheck. Rolovich is making a choice as the leader of players that have to be vaccinated to go to class. And the last time I checked, it's called student athlete. 
And what he's creating is this in Cougar Nation. There is a huge divisiveness that's going on in Cougar Nation. And as Jim Moore so eloquently wrote in an article, Jim Moore, the go-to guy, said, what is so unfortunate is that Cougars have always supported Cougars. Always. Win, lose, draw. There's something about being a Cougar and they stick together. He said it's like a divorce now. A wedge has been driven through Cougar Nation over one coach's stubborn resistance to do what's right and keep his job in order to keep his job. And he's not willing to do it. So the AD and the president have no choice but to let him go. Scott. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. Dory's head's right on the nose. You do have a choice. It's as simple as that. It's not, not pretty black and white, what you got to do. The really concerning part, uh, I saw a text or a, 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 you know, social media last night said that six coaches on the sideline of the Washington state were also wearing masks. So my question would be, are those guys also in the same boat? Yep. And it, yep. that's, and you're talking about seven guys yeah. from the staff, 11. And I mean, you, I mean, really, you're going to leave the kids with five kids, the five coaches, to coach you. I mean, you can stand on what you believe or whatever. That's fine. But you have a responsibility to your kids and to the team. And you took on an obligation to be the coach and to be a leader. And in fact, you know, it's one of the things I follow heavily is leadership. And it's sad to me that people just can't be leader in this situation. And, uh, you know, be, be what it's may. I mean, like Dory says, offline to us, uh, you know, have fun explain to your wife why there's no check coming this Friday. Uh, so, you know, you know, he, I, I, I'm not here to be the moral guard. I'm just saying it's sad I mean, that it's gotten to this point. Yeah. Listen, I have no, no sympathy for the man. Um, uh, someone that has shown his true colors in the past, uh, he has a lawsuit against him from Cassidy Woods, the former wide receiver that transferred. Um, he re- there was a recorded conversation where he threatened him and threatened anyone that held out because of them joining a movement. Um, Cassidy Woods also mentioned that he had a sickle cell trait, and that's why he didn't want to get sick with COVID. Um, we've seen Rolovich's true colors even though it had to be recorded and and in pretty much, um, you know, a conversation that was held in confidentiality, but it, it really showed his true colors. He don't give a shit. He cares about his money and that's about it because anyone that cares about his players wouldn't have done the things that he's done, especially to a player like Cassidy Woods. So, for the fans out there that care about wins more than anything else, then fine. Then you can die on that hill with him. But for me that care about other things and and you guys that are into these coaches as teachers, as leaders, as examples that think of the bigger picture, that's completely different. So Rolovich, you can be on your way. I ain't going to miss you. And that's just my opinion. I hear you. 
We'll move on. It shows the lack yeah. of caring about your, your, your fellow man and woman. And it's, it's sad. And he doesn't care. We had, uh, we had a big upset yesterday as uh, Purdue took down number two, Iowa. Uh, and I say that because I thought it was hysterical and, I, and I'm really upset that I didn't have a chance to talk about this last week uh, because I was sick. Um, I thought it was an absolute joke that Iowa was ranked number two after that pitiful performance uh, with Penn State, where Penn State had no answers uh, when their quarterback went out, where they were dominating that game and just could not figure out a way to either go under center or, 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 or do something else and just implode in that second half. And for Iowa to find a way to win a game that Penn State pretty much gave up, they just showed it. I was like, this is a completely flawed team. And the fact that they were relying off all the turnovers that they were getting, their offense was absolutely atrocious. And for them to be ranked number two, I thought it was a complete joke over a team like Cincinnati. Anyway, we're going to fast forward. Purdue gave them an ass whooping. I watched the game. It wasn't even close. In fact, they should have had another touchdown because they fumbled going into the end zone with the, with the, with the football that gave Iowa the ball at the 20 as a touchback. So this should have even been worse score than the 24-7 beatdown that they received at Iowa. Anyway. <laughs> Guys, what were your thoughts when you heard well, that Purdue whooped them? Yeah. Go ahead, Dory. Oh, well, uh, you know, I just kept saying boiler up, boiler up. Uh, it's good to see Purdue back and, and relevant again. Um, I, you know, a little bit. It's always, I'm always torn a little bit. I want to root for Purdue because of the great experience that um, the, the, the Bennett family got to have back there for about six or seven years. So that, that's always awesome. Um, I think their head coach is a good dude, a really good dude. Um, it, it's interesting. They have three quarterbacks and they rotate them pretty regularly and <laughs> they do. That's just what they're doing. I think that makes it like, you're not sure offensively, uh, but it was good to see. And I think they exposed Iowa's, the, the, the weakest part of Iowa as a team, and that's been their offense, and that's been evident all year. And then Purdue didn't make the mistakes that, that Iowa could take advantage of defense, uh, when Iowa was on, was on defense. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, a little happy inside that that happened. Uh, frustrated last week, obviously, what Will was talking about with the Penn State performance, uh, beyond frustrated, but um, you know, exposed exactly what they were and who they are and what the, what that was about, and uh, some of the things that have gone on all week with Coach Franklin and Coach Ferentz, you know, talking about the players going down and getting injured. Uh, PJ Mustaford ended his career or ended his year with a broken foot. Uh, Sean 
is, you know, was taken off the field from an ailment. And so uh, to kind of have that reaction, it was kind of sad to see that. And uh, so, uh, as I like to always say, the karma gets you. Karma gets you. There's, there's going to be some good karma up in Lake Stevens, Washington, too. I don't know if you guys uh, saw that, but uh, Lake Stevens won their game 91 to 6. So, you know, uh, without talking about the head coach there, that's not the point. It's, uh, you know, sometimes that stuff comes back to haunt you later down in life. So be, do it classy. Do it right. Stay classy, Cincinnati. <laughs> Listen, Aiden O'Connell, you know, you talked about the three quarterbacks. Aiden O'Connell was absolutely magnificent uh, in that game. You know, 30 for 40, uh, 375. He had two touchdowns, no turnovers. And then the wide receiver, I mean, where, I don't know what Purdue does, man. They always have one little wide receiver. You know, what, what was it? Rondell Moore, uh, you know, what, whatever it was. And then, you know, you got David Bell out there. I mean, 11 receptions, 240 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he was absolutely magnificent. Everything that, he, that went his way, he just caught – but O'Connell, the quarterback, I mean, we, you know, we're, we're talking about the quarterback struggles here at Washington. It, it shows you when you have a quarterback that can make the throws and he made all of them. And it's amazing. Right. And this goes back to and, and I don't, I don't want to harp on it, but if they could substitute and have three quarterbacks playing and you got a quarterback that's balling out and you're still rotating them and trying to find what works, then you if Purdue could do it, then you can do it here and figure out what's the right way to kind of get this offense going. That was an incredible performance. And the throws that that kid made all day long were absolutely spectacular. I mean, he converted third downs all over the place. And it was just, it was just great to watch. It was absolutely impressive the way he carved up one of the top defenses in the country. And, uh, and David Bell is, you know, he'll, he'll be playing on Sunday because there's one thing that he can do, and that is catch the ball. Listen, the top 25 poll is out. It's out. Let's take a look at it. We'll see what changes have made. All right. Shocking. We've got Georgia number one. Everybody had Georgia on their bingo card. Anyway, Cincinnati number two, Oklahoma three, like it. Alabama four. Ohio State, five, Michigan, six, Penn State, seven, Oklahoma State, eight, Michigan State, nine, and Oregon rounds up that top 10. Anything there that stands out for you or or this order so far from the AP top 25 poll that just released minutes ago? Interesting that two teams that had a bye moved up in the polls. Go ahead. Right. Oh, where where was Ohio State last? Didn't they move up? Where were they last week? Six, not five. Yeah, they were six. And yeah, and I mean, and I'm glad Penn State moved up. They had a buy as well. So the shuffling is interesting. Um, no, no surprise that you know they squeezed Alabama back up there again because you know everybody wants Alabama to be in the Final Four. I mean, not everybody. Apparently, the 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 sponsors and the people that do this. So, uh, is can I can I ask you? Did Texas fall out of the top twenty five, please? 
please. Tex is gone. Sark can't close the show, so they closed it for him. Overrated. I don't mean the players. I mean the coach. Scott, anything that stands out for you? Uh, yeah, I think the one that really kind of comes about is about what happened last week in the uh, Red River shootout and the change that they made at the quarterback and uh, starters Rattler and then now the kid that's starting for them now and watching Oklahoma just kind of solidify their position in this, uh, you know, storyline as we're going to continue it. I mean, it doesn't mean that Oklahoma is going to finish this out the wet way, but I do think that storyline is very interesting because, you know, we thought Rattler was going to be maybe the number one draft pick in the NFL draft coming up this year. And now I think he might want to reconsider that whole idea. It may even probably enter the transfer portal after this, but, uh, that kid definitely showed his yeah. Oklahoma kid, the new quarterback. I can't think of the kid's name right now, but, uh, you know, uh, big change there. And, and, uh, and you know, obviously, yeah. Coach made, made the right decision in, in, in bringing that quarterback. Thompson, I believe, is his last name. How far did Iowa fall? I, I can't see the rest of the. They are at number 11. They're out of the, they're, they're out of the top 10. They're, they're out of the yeah. top yeah. 10. So that kind of shows us that they, they were not thought of as a strong two. Um, it was really, they weren't thought of as a strong two and they're now out of the top 10 because they had a team beat them. That wasn't even in the top 25. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you know, they, they got embarrassed at home and going back to the quarterback position, because this is when I'm going to hammer it. If Oklahoma could take their, you know, their uh, Heisman hopeful off the field and replace him with Khalid Williams and and tell him to take a seat, then that means the University of Washington could do the damn same thing. You know, so kudos to the coaching staff to yep. say, hey, you know, we, we need to make a change. And it's not to say that Spencer may or may not get back in there, but they saw a need to make a change. And they did. And if you can do that with one of the guys, if you're if you were in Vegas before the season started, you laid down a couple of, you know, sh- you know, uh, gold pieces on Spencer Benjamin. Rattler to 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 win the Heisman, you know, and he was one of the leading guys to start the season. And you pull the plug on him after a couple of weeks. Kudos. So anyway, listen, let's wrap it up. It goes back to coaching, Will. It goes back to coaching. Yep. You said it exactly. If the coach doesn't have, can't make that happen, then no one's going to make it happen. So it has to be on the coaches. Hey, Scott, the NCAA uh, decided to remove some of the standards uh, this week. Um, can you please help us uh, navigate that? You know, you're the president of the Student Athletes Advocates. Uh, can you help us understand? what the ramifications are of the decision of uh, the NCAA. Yeah, this has kind of been coming down the, the pipeline for a long time. Uh, it's actually not completely done yet. Uh, it was um, a recommendation by the standardized task, uh, test score task force uh, is sending out a recommendation to hopefully change some racial equity issues. Um, if you, so you understand it is the way the uh, NCAA used to work eligibility. You had to have a GPA corresponded to an SAT ACT score. So let's, for example, say you got a 4.0, all you had to do was show up to the test and put your name on the test and walk out the door and you were good to go. Uh, so that was the, you know, there. 
If the lower the GPA, the higher the test score. And as you can imagine how that works, it's not a real positive uh, situation. Kids have test anxiety, blah, 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 on and on. If you can't get enough, te- you know, um, you know, tutoring and things like that can create a problem. This has been kind of been talked about uh, going down the road. I think it will go there, uh, which will be great, which means that they will no longer need an SAT, ACT uh, test requirement. But some schools, Division three usually, uh, will ask for an ACT, SAT score. So don't, you know, again, the clarification needs to be down the road <laughs> to this whole process. But uh, hopefully it goes in the right direction. I think it's important that we have you know, a standard and eligibility for, for student athletes. But I also think that there's some real, it's always been my pet peeve with the ACT, SAT, especially when I would go talk to counselors and I'd say, we have to have a sliding scale. And they'd look at me like sliding a slide or sliding, what are you talking about, coach? So again, it's a education of people. So hopefully we're going to go in the right direction, but I think it'll be done pretty soon. All right, it guys. also needs to start at, yeah, it's got to start at the high schools though, because because kids that are in um, that that qualify for special ed classes, then those classes don't carry the same weight as gen ed classes. That's number one, okay. And number two, it would really behoove the high schools to to be more involved with um, creating that academic environment where students can then be successful at college on how they use their study time and. Please do not lower the high school GPA requirement for student athletes. That does not help the student athlete. 1,000% agree. Yeah, we can't, uh, lowering that is not the, it, the issue. There's so many much more layers. No. To the whole. Yeah. But without, but, but without that testing piece in, right, as, in, as a collegiate requirement, whether you're going to be a student athlete or not, that then sends a message, right? That you can do this, you can get by with your GPA, right? And then not really be academically ready for college. And I don't know that that's really a successful plan. Yeah, I agree. All right, coaches, thank you so much for your time today. Um, Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk next week. Take care of yourselves. Can we do one good note on the high school team? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Post Falls High School, varsity and JV, both defeated Coeur d'Alene High School this past week. Thursday night, the JV won at Coeur d'Alene 27-20. Friday night, the Post Falls Trojans Winning drive with two minutes to go in the game, starting at their own 20, drove the ball down and scored with a few seconds left to beat Coeur Lane for, for the first time since Blaine Bennett was the head coach at Post Falls High School. It has been eight years. Now, they didn't beat him before that either, but since he's been there. So, big double victory. Nice. In the Bennett family for high school athletics. Congratulations, guys. There you go. Congrats. <laughs> nice. Great way to finish it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hope you get better. Thank you. I'm trying. Take care. Yeah, we'll get better. Good to see everybody. Bye. Bye. See you next week. Everybody, bye. Bye. See you next week.